Good morning, Peter Goffwood. How are you? We finally made it onto the same Zoom room. <laughs> Indeed. I think technology is one of those funny things these, that you, you get it right the first time and then you have no idea when you try it the second time what you did the first time to get it right. <laughs> and so, I said to you that I wrote... <laughs> Absolutely. And I wrote a guideline and of course, but you know, you've got to be really on top of it. But anyway, we found each other in the Zoom space um, and uh, we spoke, I spoke to you last week, which is just after Cheese Festival, right? But you say that you've yes. had quite an experience since Cheese Festival um, to do with, uh, well, I think some people do eat them in some countries with an arachnid. Yes. Yes, I had a nasty spider bite. In fact, in fact, just after we spoke on the radio last week, I, I went, I, I got bitten on Monday when, when yourself and Tim were, were at the festival. Yeah. Um, it didn't seem like anything, anything too. It was just a little bit of a, a welt and a, a, a bit of a scratch, and it kind of over the week grew into something kind of nasty. And in fact, just after we spoke to um, each other last Friday, I went to see my doctor, and he ended up sending me to hospital. I spent <gasps> two days. In, in Christian Barnard, um, on a on an antibiotic drip, because oh. the, 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 the the whatever the had bitten me turned nasty, and my whole entire lower leg, my entire shin and calf, had swollen up and was all purple. It was a bit of a nasty one. That doesn't sound very good at all. Um, and spider bites, you know, you can get the good spiders, but then you get the little the little buggers who yeah. can really make life difficult. But we're not going to speak about cooking spiders, no. and I don't think we're going to be speaking about um, hospital food. Or do, would you like to delve into hospital food? <laughs> and, well, hospital food is, 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 is actually, it gets, a, well, I suppose it also depends on where you are, which hospital you're in. If you find yourself in a government hospital, I hate to think what the food must be like. Mm. But uh, in Christian Barnard, the food was actually pretty good. Uh. Um, must have been, I was hospital food goes I was quite impressed um, but that, that's a, a topic for another day I was about to say I think yeah absolutely what are we speaking about today what have you got on the menu I was talking this I had two experiences that that happened this week that, that made me think of it and that was the sort of the beauty of autumn um, and I was speaking to a friend of mine who was regaling about how May was her favorite month of the year um, and, and I was thinking about it, you know, we still, and we've been very blessed with the weather we have. We still are having these beautiful days. Well, it's starting to get colder in the evenings and it's definitely chillers in the morning. We're still having these most magnificent days um, and the beautiful sunsets. And it really is that kind of time of year. And I was thinking yesterday about what we talked about. And I have a bowl of fruit on my, on my, on my table next to me. And we, we bought a, a few days ago some guavas. Ooh. And these guavas now start to ripen. And this whole room is filled with this most perfumed smell of ripe guavas it's it it's it's a fruit unlike others and that it when it ripens it really does smell of itself you know i've got apples and plums and lemons and bits and pieces but nothing quite gives off that smell of ripeness that like 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 guavas do and i started to think about the kind of the bounty of autumn and, and the the fruit and vegetable that we have in autumn and it is quite a a, a magnificent season because it's it's not it's not summer anymore, but it's not quite the kind of the dull drudge of winter and potatoes and root vegetables. And there's still a lot of very kind of sexy and interesting fruit and vegetable around. Uh, you know, so now March, April, May. And I, and I kind of thought smelling that guava, I thought, you know, we, we don't celebrate autumn enough. Um, and I think it's a very beautiful season here in the Cape. I always marvel at it when I first came back from the UK and was living in Franchuk. Um, 
and how you see the vineyards change and you know mm. obviously a lot of the trees start to but those beautiful colors in the vineyards when they start to turn that they go from green and they talk to those that sort of ruby color oh. before they before they lose all the leaves and it's quite a beautiful season i must and say I must say, sorry to interrupt you, when we were on the way to the Cheese Festival, I mentioned the same thing in the car. I, I was absolutely spellbound by those russet colors and the, the autumn browns. Absolutely beautiful. And I think anybody who's sitting before it's over and those leaves fall to the ground, just take a drive mm. and enjoy them if you want. It's beautiful. Magnificent. And, and, I, and I know these days, you know, in, in, in supermarkets, generally a lot of fruit and vegetables are available all year round. And I think we we have sometimes a tendency to to lose that seasonality, um, and I think it's it's something we need to get back to for for a number of reasons. First of all, that that you know when you're buying fruit in season, fruit and vegetables in season, first of all they lend themselves to the time of year, mm-hmm. you know, and the, the kind of food that you can make is the kind of food that makes sense for that time of year for the climate. And also, you know, they're in abundance, so they're generally cheaper. You know, when you're buying strawberries in the middle of winter that come from the Northern Hemisphere, you're paying an arm for a leg for them as opposed yeah. to strawberries that, that come from the middle of our summer in December. And I, and I think, you know, as we get more you know, uh, conscious of what we're spending and also a carbon footprint of flying vegetable, you know, having having asparagus, which is a spring vegetable, in supermarkets in May means it's been flown halfway across the world, yeah. you know, for your convenience. And, and I think I think we need to get back to less convenience and more relying on the bounty that is available at this time mm-hmm. of year. I mean, I'll read through you a list of fruit just to give you an idea of the kind of stuff that that is that it's in season now. That's I mean, we're looking at apples, figs, guavas, granadillas, grapefruit lemons, narches, oranges, plums, pomegranates, pineapples, quince, one of my favorite, uh, melon and watermelon is not something I, I'm not a melon fan, mm-hmm. so that just goes beyond me, but I'm, <laughs> a lot of people are big melon fans. Yeah. Um, so those are just some of the fruit, but for me, the, the, the real interesting, because when it comes to, I mean, that just is a lot of off the table eating, which is great. But for me, where, where the challenge obviously comes in is the vegetables, because then there's processed revival. But I mean, we're looking at artichokes, cauliflower, um, a lot of the squash around now, peppers, obviously potatoes, beginning of the potato season, uh, Brussels sprouts, one of my favorites. I mean, oh, yeah, some people, sprouts. some people might throw you with a Brussels sprout because they, yeah, uh, they, they feel like they're being uh, punished. Yeah, look, I, I think <laughs> most people's relationships are, are with Brussels sprouts is, is, is very black and white. It's either yay or nay. You either like them or hate them. Mm-hmm. And I used to hate them for a long time. I have to say that for most of my childhood and, and early adulthood, I hate them because every time I came across them, you could. it's, it's like anybody who cooks cabbage. You walk into someone's <laughs> house and you know it. Brussels sprouts because they've been boiling them for days, you know, and they this horrible soggy. Oh, and it's got this sulphur smell, and they are truly, truly disgusting. <laughs> and I don't know what it is, um, but at one stage, and, and I don't know where it came from. I had some Brussels sprouts one day that were an absolute revelation, and and then I've started to cook Brussels sprouts in a similar manner, and I have them every year. They're always uh, about, especially now, and that's to treat them more like a green vegetable than a cabbage that needs to be cooked long and slow. You know, I like, so, so my way of doing Brussels sprouts would be to have a nice big cast iron pot, 
loads of butter and then some bacon or some pancetta. Fry that off till it's nice and crispy. Throw in your Brussels sprouts and put the lid on. Stir them up a little bit and put the lid on and let them just not braise, but sort of, well, I suppose braise is the right word because they're just cooking in their own liquid. And you'll only cook them literally for 10 or 15 minutes. And so they retain a nice sort of crunch to them. So they, when you when you cut into them, um, they're actually quite um, crunchy. They're not, I mean, they're cooked all the way yes. through, but they're, they're not soft and soggy. And they don't have any of that sort of cabbagey essence. And what you'll find is when they start to caramelize in a little bit of the butter and the, and the pancetta fat, is they have a natural nuttiness that comes out when you fry and they start to caramelize that really make them a stunning, stunning vegetable. And I now absolutely love them. And I cook them, that's the only way I ever cook them now. You cut them in half before you put them in mm. so that you get that, that nice flat surface where they can caramelize. Yes. And you really find that it's a whole other different vegetable. I want like to ask you, I want to ask you, if, if you don't use bacon... I know the population here in the Western Cape. What else can one use? Just use butter. Then just Ah, stick with the butter. Okay. Let your butter start to, um, what we turn a bernoisette, when it starts to brown, it starts Mm. to foam. Then when it's really nice Ah. and hot, then add your Brussels sprouts. They'll caramelize really, really nice, and you'll get that lovely nuttiness on them. Uh, And I think that's, yeah, so if if bacon's not on your your radar, uh, then then definitely just butter, and you'll be amazed. I normally finish them off with some some chopped parsley, some freshly chopped parsley, and a squeeze of lemon, and they are a wonder to behold. They really are quite a fantastic vegetable. Uh, and you know and the, the other one the, before I, the sorry. running joke, of course, you know, is what family is going to be listening. Hope maybe I'll get a bowl of Brussels sprouts this evening. I'll let you know uh-huh. next week. <laughs> and of course, the other thing that's that's really which I really like this time of year, and it's it's very much um, uh, a, a sort of not Cape centric, but probably here more here in the Western Cape and particularly out Somerset Westway and that's wild mushrooms. Uh-huh. You know, it's, it's mushroom season now. Mm-hmm. So between now and May, we will wait for, you usually find two weeks after the first major rain, uh, all the, the, the particular porcini start to come up and that when you start talking wild mushrooms, that's just a whole other piece of heaven. Mm, absolutely. Um, so look out for those in, in a lot of markets have them these days. I know, I know at the Runyons at Farmers Market they have them. There, there's likely to be um, uh, a supply up at the Elgin Market that that, that probably has wild mushrooms. Um, that again, you know, the, the, then the sort of the list of dishes that come up there is is just things like you know risotto, wild mushroom risotto. Mushroom risotto for me is just an absolute you know those cold nights I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I want to sing the hallelujah chorus here and go oh because that's what if that's on the menu I'm always going for the mushroom risotto it is delicious absolutely divine uh, if they get it right look for me I think risotto is one of those it's a it's a dish that restaurants don't do well generally mm because restaurants tend to have this habit of they they par cook risotto they cook it halfway and then they reconstitute it and nine times out of ten it's porridge yeah um risotto is one of those dishes that needs to go from the stovetop to the table you know you need to cook it from scratch and once it's ready it get served there's no holding time for risotto because it continues to carry on cooking and when you you want it a little bit of al dente so that like pasta so that you're actually not crunchy but you're chewing the rice it's got a little bit of give to it that it's not mush 
you know it's that arborio rice so it's it's got a high starch content so it's got that nice soupiness to it but you don't want it to be so overcooked that it's porridge you know mm. if you go to a restaurant and and you see it often and it's it's packed neatly into a ring if it can sit in a ring it's overcooked it, mm. it has this it should be quite loose it should be it should have this kind of wet sort of spread that there's almost like a almost like um like a bowl of oats more than anything it's that kind of that kind of soft consistency is what a good risotto should have okay. and you, you can always tell a good risotto or a risotto restaurant that knows what they're doing if they'll have a little thing on the menu that says risotto and it'll say 20 minutes ah, they cook it yeah. that's a good indicator you know, yeah but wild mushrooms that in 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 risotto is just it's just a, a magnificent and you finish that off with, with one of my favorite things which is called which is gremolata gremolata is just roughly chopped flat flat leaf parsley uh, a little bit of lemon zest and a little bit of very very finely chopped garlic that you just mix together and it's almost like that an aromatic perfume you sprinkle that on and as the heat from that risotto rises off there's so this beautiful smell of fresh parsley and lemon zest and garlic just permeates your nose mm. and you just salivate before you tuck into it. Well, I'm salivating at the moment. I, I don't even know if I want to hear the rest of that list because it's I'm like uh, drooling. <laughs> yeah, I know. Look, well, and we've got them all here, you know. The, the, this, I mean, obviously, the most popular, most recognizable is the porcini. Mm. Um, uh, and if you find some of those, even if you don't make risotto, those just mushrooms on toast. Oh, just cut huge swathes of the things, fry them in butter, on toast with either a poached egg or I'm not an egg for it, but hollandaise, a nice mm. rich hollandaise over some grilled and fried porcini on a slice of toast. That is a heavenly meal any time of day. Yeah. So winter is really, or autumn is really, there's lots that one can do with, with the food that is available. Run us through I mean, that I, list quickly that's, that you've got there. Yes. Okay. Artichokes, aubergines, oh. beetroots, beans, oh. broccoli, sprouts, cabbage, cauliflower, uh, courgettes, uh, mushrooms, onions, peas—not uh, peas, parsnips, uh, pumpkin, radishes, uh, turnips. I mean, I could do 15 minutes just I was, on cauliflower with cauliflower. I was I about to say, are the sturdy dish that lends itself. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a culinary sponge. It oh. soaks up whatever you with it you know and you can have mediterranean flavors you can have northern european flavors indian you there's nothing that won't withstand that the cauliflower won't withstand i think we need to continue this conversation and actually talk about cauliflower um because it's yeah Yeah, i've got some again cauliflower is is a recipe is a is a vegetable i used to hate as a kid you could never get me to eat cauliflower now (laughs) i live Oh, it's one of my fridge staples. And I've actually got, we'll do cauliflower, we'll talk about cauliflower link next week because I've actually got a great recipe. Um, it's a keto recipe of the most amazing cauliflower cheese that has no flour in it. Oh, wow. It's all, oh, no, it's a, it's a really, really nice recipe. Um, so maybe we'll dedicate a, a, an entire session just to cauliflower because I've got some really, really cool cauliflower recipes. Uh, I think so. I look forward to that. And uh, I, I need to go and have a cup of, I don't know, bottle of water or something because I'm salivating here. I'm just thinking about risotto <laughs> and all those yummy things and um, sort of nice caramelized uh, bra- bra- Brussels sprouts. So uh, it's... Oh. 
This is always a challenge. Friday's a challenge with you, Peter Goffwood, because then I sit here and I yearn for the food that you speak about. But it's been <laughs> it's been really interesting. And I think that um, the message from today is that don't just look to the vegetables that are out of season and be creative with what is in season. Um, and from an environmental perspective, as you mentioned, to consider the, the carbon footprint of that food getting to you. And they're also cheaper. You know, yeah. they're, they're in abundance because there it's the high season for that particular bridge. They're going to be cheaper than than, than other vegetables, yeah. you know, because they're in abundance. Absolutely. I look forward to next week to our cauliflower date. Same time, same yes. place. And uh, it's been wonderful chatting to you, Peter. Have a wonderful day and a great weekend. And to you too and to all the listeners. Fantastic. Until next week, may this all be with you.